Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Blowies for jazz tickets? I mean, that's a stretch. It's not like you're courtside for the Lakers. I mean... Blowies to sit next to Jack Nicholson, maybe a little more plausible. But courtside at the Jazz, you're not to get on your knees. very silly today. I don't know why. Um, but welcome back. Welcome me. Welcome you. Welcome everyone to everyone's business but mine with me, Kara Berry, Housewives Edition. As I told you guys last week, I am going to be pretty loosey-goosey because we have three housewives going on at the same damn time. And, you know, week to week, who's to say uh, which franchise is going to be blessing us more than the other we're just gonna have to take it one one weave at a time or whatever um i'm gonna start off with salt lake city i had a different episode planned for you guys i had a guest planned so i'm flailing a little bit i i think this might be it but we're we're gonna be totally fine you're just gonna have me it's just gonna be us two it's okay we're cool let's talk about it so I didn't take notes for Salt Lake City. I'm just going straight off the dome because I felt like it was kind of the least important. And we got other things. We got bigger fish to fry down the down the line. Um, so just like things that, that grabbed me. Uh, we're still in Arizona. And the big crux really was like whether or not Whitney was going to be telling Lisa, the rumors that had been going around about her busting it wide open to get Vita on the shelves, right? Um, first, she tries to get Meredith to do it, but Meredith is like, mm, not my cart, not my race. I, You can do it, Whitney. I'm good on that. And here's what I'm picking up. 
is that obviously we can't break the fourth wall. And what I think Whitney is frustrated by is because last week I was annoyed with her because I'm like, okay, why is it that she feels like Lisa needs to know everything that is being said about her um, in the interest of fairness? But what I think is going on is that Whitney, even though she's heard these rumors about Lisa herself, she did not say them on camera. Meredith did. And I think Whitney feels like people keep bringing me these bones on camera and I'm tired of being the one who's mentioning it all. So like, I don't want to do it. Can somebody else do it? But she decides to do it herself. So we get to this garbage trash whore pajama uh, girls and gays white party. I don't know (laughs) what's going on, but uh, she decides to tell Lisa. Lisa's reaction was like, what? Uh, what? <laughs> Here's what is how I feel about Lisa, which is entirely unfair to her, is that there are some housewives where I just like, they're like uncanny valley to me. They're like human, but humanoid. Like there's the element of inhuman, but in my mind, like my mind can't conceive that there's a real Lisa Barlow out there acting like a human and like doing like, I just can't imagine having a normal conversation with her. (laughs) And again, I'm saying this is like totally unfair and probably a part of like me watching TV for so long and just having holes in my brain. Like I just can't, she just doesn't feel like a real person to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? So like watching her is very fascinating and just seeing her navigate life, it's like, like I, I just like, just like Megan. You guys, have you guys seen the trailer for Megan? <laughs> Go watch the tra- trailer for Megan's M three G A N. Um, she's like an AI robot, and that's what how I view Lisa. And again, not fair to her. It's not fair, but it's just like it makes it like a little bit more fun for me. I will say that. Um, I and also like her. There's like a lot of hard blinking. And even though she was yelling, it was like a muted yell. It just seemed very weird. It was like quiet and loud at the same time. Anyway, um, Whitney fucked up. Whitney fucked up. And Whitney's gonna fuck up. She that's just what she does. Um, where Whitney hooked up is in telling Lisa the wrong rumor. So she was trying to hold Meredith accountable. But what she said to Lisa instead is that Meredith had said that uh, Lisa was busting it wide open for Utah jazz tickets and that that she had gone to Meredith, excuse me, Whitney, Heather, and Angie Harrington uh, had gone to a Utah jazz uh, uh, show. (laughs) Yeah, game. Kara, get it together. Um, they had gone to a game and Angie had pointing out ha- pointed out to both Whitney and Heather that, oh, uh, you see that guy in those courtside tickets, that's who Lisa is fucking uh, for jazz tickets. And I guess they had seen John and one of the kids there and it just seemed like a cemented rumor, right? That's not what Meredith said. What Meredith said is that Lisa was busting it wide open to get Vita on the shelves, not simply for basketball tickets. So Meredith really slick willied her way out of that one. And I love to see it. I love to see it. Like Lisa was 
losing it. She was like, I gotta get my phone. I gotta call John. Um, she's going back in her room. Meredith's following after her. She's like really pissed off. Really pissed off. Tries to kick Meredith out of her room at first. But then Meredith is explaining like, hey, what Whitney told you is not what I heard. I heard that from Whitney just like you did right now. So I don't know what she's talking about. But what she's not admitting is that she did talk about her. She did on camera. She said something and it wasn't any better. You know, <laughs> like her rumor wasn't any better. It just technically wasn't what she said. So then all of this escalates to uh, Jen screaming about like how she's losing everything and why are you guys screaming when I should be the one screaming? Loud noises, loud noises. You know, I love lamp. And then Heather gets mad at Whitney because Whitney said that Heather knew this rumor about the uh, fucking for basketball tickets. When in fact, Heather was like, I had never heard that. Why are you putting me in this? Like, why am I in it? So then they start screaming at each other. And this is the really the beginning and uh, the beginning of the end for Whitney and Heather bad weather. And it seems to be continuing because uh, they were on Twitter last night. Angie Harrington was like telling Whitney, I can't believe you betrayed me like that. Whitney called her a liar. Heather was liking Angie's tweets and and all of that. Um, So not great. And I'm kind of wondering, obviously they filmed this season before Whitney and Heather went off to Ultimate Girls Trip. So I'm wondering how they navigated that not being friends anymore. Interesting. I need Whitney to stop feeling the spirit of Casamigos. <laughs> you know, I think maybe things would be less chaotic and there would be a lot of a lot less like people running around without shoes on around a house like an Airbnb if Whitney would just address these things when she was a little bit more sober, you know, just like a liquid courage that just busts all over everybody's faces and it's not fun. You know, um, Heather's also very pissed at Whitney because she told her, don't be bringing this shit up at Jen's uh, getaway vacation where we're trying to make her feel better about the fact that she's not, you know, maybe not be home for Christmas next year or Ramadan. So it's, you know, I, I get that. Do I think this should have been like a, a relationship ending fight for Whitney and Heather? No, but I guess we only saw the beginning of it. And I'm very interested in seeing how all of this unfolds and how are we navigating the rest of the season when in episode three, Heather was basically like, fuck you, Whitney, forever. <laughs> I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I think she's saying, could you have it deleted it, pencil out, and then you could have reposted it, maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Pencil. Are you kidding me? You I'm, want me? I no, wait know. a minute. Wait a minute. No, I'm so you want in the middle of me. me trying to protect my child, I have to then come and save all you? You don't need to save me. This is outrageous. All right, let's go to number two, the season 12 reunion of Beverly Hills. Okay, well, not really not a whole lot to talk about. We start off as usual, checking in with the state of everybody's plastic surgery and how everybody's tits are doing, where they are. Did you get them lifted? Shifted? What happened? uh, Kyle got her breast reduction. So 
I guess. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis comes out to do some Halloween promo. She has done a total rebrand of her uh, charity. And she's thrilled. Thrilled with Dorit. She renamed the chicest wind chime to ever exist. The Dorit Chic Wind Chime. You can find that at mindhandinyours.com or org or edu. I'm not sure. Um, and then she gives everybody pumpkins with their face on it. And then... We have to watch a whole Halloween promo and talk about uh, Kyle and Jamie's journey on set and their relationship with each other as though this is inside the actor's studio or something. That was the first 13 minutes of the hour-long reunion. 13 minutes. 25% went to pumpkins and Halloween. Halloween kills. Peacock. I think it comes out on Saturday. All right. Wow. Terrible. So then we get to Garcelle's son, Jax, getting bullied by a bunch of online bots and trolls and how Garcelle says, I didn't know this. Uh, somebody had sent Jax pictures that Garcelle had taken in, Play- taken in Playboy and the most egregious message, which is, uh, you'd have your neck kneeled on if it weren't for your white daddy. Tell your mom to leave Diana alone or you'll deal with us. Then they start talking about how all of the ladies have been cyberbullied or called out in some form or fashion online. And the examples they give us are um, somebody telling Portia that her mom is a bully and that her dad sucks. Uh, one person called Lisa a beast, which we all know cannot even be close to the meanest thing somebody said about Lisa Rinna, um, even in the past seven minutes since I've been talking. Or um, somebody, what did they say about Erica? Uh, I don't even remember. What I will say is that I don't think um, calling Lisa a beast is equivalent to send the naked pictures to a 14-year-old boy and those pictures are of his own mother. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely. We can absolutely have a conversation about how really mostly Beverly Hills has the most toxic social media fan base and they get nasty and rude and stupid more than anything and lame and it gets really involved and people are in so deep and they take the shit so seriously and uh, conspiracy theories and my god some things that you'll see on tiktok like these bitches so no no offense but like y'all take a walk (laughs) i'm saying this as girl with podcasts some of you guys really need to chill out truly it's making things way too deep and not entertaining but i digest um then we get to Dorit's break-in and they made her sit there and watch like a whole reel of her trauma and the break-in tape and those people smashing the doors and her telling what happened in the immediate hours after. And it just felt like, mm, I don't know, like, do we need Dorit to watch all of this again? It just seems a little mean. You know, like, I know that this is a reunion and I get that, but it just felt traumatizing, frankly. I feel like we could have just asked her some questions. It was like two, it felt like hours of us having to watch that and watch Dorit watch it and her reaction to it. And just like watching her face, like process this trauma. Ooh, it was dark. It was dark. 
Um, I don't want to call it boring. I won't say that, but I will say that the most exciting part was Andy swallowing a yawn as Dorit was talking about how she got over it. And she's really like, for real? <laughs> Andy was truly, I've never seen Andy that like actually uncomfortable. Like, I really wasn't trying to yawn. Like, I'm sorry. I know that this is a really important traumatic thing that happened in your life. Like, please l- just move on. Like, help me out. And she just stares at him for a few seconds. And I'm like, okay, this is a Dorit that I want back. Remember Dorit, like two seasons Dorit used to be in it. She used to go jug the jugular with people. Like she was not afraid to get in it. And, you know, I will say that at the time I found Dorit wildly annoying the first two seasons, but I think we need that energy back. And I wouldn't like her to direct it towards her friend Rena. More on that later. Um... Kyle then decides to circle back to her and talk about her burglary, which I'm assuming this is the one that happened after Teddy's husband put his alarm system in their house. Not, this wasn't like an additional one after that, but she tells about how, I guess one of the guys who burglarized her home contacted her sister-in-law to tell her that he's in jail and that his, their stuff was at his grandma's house. So then Kyle says that she actually gave him some money to get the stuff back. And then he like kind of pulled out and was freaked out or something and was like, Oh, I feel like you guys are going to call the authorities on me. But I'm thinking if you're telling this from jail, bitch, do you not know that they record every cult? Like how many, you don't have to watch love after lockup to know that you should know that. sir. So if anybody's going to call the authorities on you, it's, probably going to be you because they can hear you. You know what I mean? Like you can't call people from jail. (laughs) Maybe he wrote a letter, but still like you can't contact people from jail and tell them where their goods are at. And that you like, what? That's you're, you're um, blackmailing people from jail. This is a call from a blackmailer. That's wild. Then we get to Crystal's segment and her uh, struggle with her eating disorder as well as the women's reactions to her vulnerabilities and just in general crystal to the fox force five to Dorit, lisa erica and especially kyle is like bitch eating crackers and i don't get it like something about crystal really gets under kyle's like marbled gnarled skin and i need crystal crystal if you hear me DM me, girl. DM me, girl. Um, if Candy just recently made a video in which she um, took Sonya into shape and tried to teach her about how to shade people and how to properly be on Housewives. And I'm going to need you to take that class. Call Candy Burris. Call Don Juan. Call Blaze. I don't know. Figure it out. Because, Crystal, you're right there. You're right there. You have Kyle in your hands And you're not throwing the grenade. And I'm going to need you to throw that grenade, girl. Because I am always on Crystal's side. And I always understand what she's saying. And maybe that's some the emotional millennial inside of me. But I always understand what she's saying. But it's like she just fumbles it a little bit. She just fumbles it. I need her to like keep, keep up the energy, girl. And go all the way with it. 
to really humiliate her because she lets, and I get it. Like, I think she feels tired, like exhausted of having to explain herself to these bitches that dissect every little tiny thing and then turn it into something it's not. And she doesn't want to do it, but like, I'm going to need her to like, keep going girl, because you're right there. So Andy asks Kyle, why was it okay when Crystal brought up her eating disorder for you to talk about your eating disorder, but when Sutton was having a conversation with Diana and Diana mentioned having a miscarriage and then Sutton said that she also had some miscarriages, you were like, oh, why were you talking about that? I don't believe you. You've never said this before. I don't know if you've had a miscarriage. Remember when she said that horrible shit? Horrible. So Kyle was like, yeah, I mean... It wasn't right of me, but here's what I heard from Kyle. Kyle doesn't disagree with the fact that she thinks that Sutton inserts herself into conversations. She disagrees with the fact that she looked bad and tried to claim that Sutton had had no miscarriages at all, but she still thinks that Sutton inserts herself in a conversation. So that really wasn't an apology like it should have been. And Kyle really needs to understand that because she really does um, insert herself into everybody's situation as she literally just did when Dorit is talking about her situation. You're talking about how you got burglarized like three years ago, girl, like that, you know? So why can't Sutton talk about her shit? And it's okay. Like, isn't that... I mean, I know it's like a fine line when somebody's pouring their heart out and if you don't fuck with them and they say like, oh, this happened to me too, it can seem like a cop out or something like that. But I don't think that's what Sutton was trying to do. That's things that they do. You know, it's like, oh, this happened to me. So I like this is out of Kyle's playbook, not Sutton's. And that's the difference. Like, I can't think in my memory a moment where somebody has come to Kyle over her doing some bullshit and she hasn't centered herself with a, you don't think I feel this way or this happened to me or, but, you know, like she does that shit all the time, but she's really irking me. (sighs) Let's move on. Okay. So then, um, yeah, Kyle was just like, well, I was drunk. You know, I, I just had too much tequila and it came out too wrong and, you know, it was bad, but, you know, I, I was just drunk. I, I really was. So then Andy asks Erica about the shit that she said to Crystal about, oh, you do this method of uh, eliminating food and I would just take a laxative. So maybe that's something that you should do. And Erica's only response is, no, I was just saying that that's what I would do. That's like saying to a drug addict, I wasn't telling you to shoot up. I was just saying, like, if I were to do drugs, that's how I would get high. Like, that's not a conversation that needs to be had. And then later when Erica said they brought up so like some chicken nugget appetizer and Chris, she was like, Crystal, don't eat that. A singular chicken nugget she can't eat. One chicken nugget appetizer. Awful awful and then erica's like well you know that was actually later (laughs) as as though that matters it was later that day that actually makes it worse (laughs) it would be like a lot better if this was all one conversation but like you're saying time had elapsed and you still thought this shit was acceptable that doesn't sound good erica and then she's like you know of course my smart ass said she couldn't have a chicken tender yeah i did it it was the wrong thing to do okay are you sorry are you like (laughs) 
That's very, that's a very strange response. Like, yeah, I said it. I said what I said. And here's what people don't remember. When Nene Leake said, I said what I said. The follow-up to that was Candy saying, well, what you said was some bullshit. And that's what I'm going to direct towards Erica. What you said was some bullshit. So apologize, weird ass. Anyway, so then Dorit tries to act like Crystal... Like, she was shocked that Crystal would have been upset with her because Dorit then outed to Rinna, Sutton, a couple of the other ladies, how frequently um, Crystal's eating disorder is present in her life. We'll put it that way. Um, She said this on camera and she's trying to be like... Well, I don't understand why you would be upset about that because you told a whole table of people. But Crystal's trying to say that this was a private conversation. So even if, let's say they were at a dinner party and Crystal shared this off camera, don't you think it would be a little weird for you to mention the details on camera to everybody else? Like, we all know how this works. We all know how this works. It's just like they're intentionally dense and like they act like they never ever know what crystal's talking about which i will put on crystal 30 i'll give her 30 percent. she does need to tighten up she does need to stick with her word she does need to be more explanatory because these women are taking every little hole and making it into a crater you know what i mean and I just want her to tell more of the story. Just like be a little bit more clear, Crystal. Which brings us to the conversation where Crystal said that Sutton had made some dark remarks to her. And here's what is bothering me about everybody in this situation, including Garcelle. First of all, Crystal only brought this shit up because Garcelle asked her about it. She said, they're talking, y'all brought up this situation and y'all were like bringing up old shit. And when Garcelle said to Crystal, well, I feel like Sutton could have said anything and you wouldn't have liked her. She's like trying to bring context to the situation by saying, yeah, there was other things that happened earlier that day that led up to that moment of me saying, are you that girl? When you say you don't see color, it, this wasn't just like an one and done situation where I decided to come for her. There were other things that happened. So Crystal's not only brought that up and Dorit tried to say, Oh, you brought that up to like make yourself look better or whatever. No, she brought it up because you were insinuating that she just attacked Sutton out of nowhere and she's simply explaining that there was more to the story that y'all don't know. Garcelle was the one who was like, oh, you said dark. And she was the one who presented it to everybody as it was like the worst thing. And then I feel like Garcelle made it seem like there was a specific thing that insinuated racism on Sutton's part. Crystal does say, knowing Sutton as well as I know her now, I probably would not have said those things because I just know her character a little bit more. So then all these buzzards come to circle around Crystal. I'm talking Lisa, Erica, Dree, and Kyle. And Andy as well. And here's what made me really uncomfortable is that... 
all of these white people are coming towards this person of color and being like, you insinuated that she was racist and that's really dangerous and that's not fair to us and how dare you do that and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, should we not do that? But I don't think that's what Crystal was trying to do. I also think that there were things that did make her uncomfortable and she's allowed to feel that way and she doesn't really have to explain to you guys why she feels that way because we find out later that she did explain it to Sutton. Sutton seems to have complete comprehension as to what she did that fucked up and uh, she's okay. She and Crystal are good. Let's leave it at that. And I will tell you, if I had just met this white lady and she's sitting around feeling the need to tell me about her daughter being in a, a hot tub with a black girl and a Chinese girl and a, another redheaded girl, I would feel uncomfortable with that too. Cause it's like, why are you telling me this? It just feels like very like, uh, you know, like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm a good white. And it's like, why would you feel the need to say like, that would make me uncomfortable too. I would find that very weird. And so when later Sutton's talking about how she doesn't see color, I can understand why Crystal's like, oh, you're that girl. You're like the parents from Get Out who said that you would have voted for Obama a third time if you could have, you know? <laughs> like, it's it's just a weird thing to say. Some people are like, some white people who, you know, tend to vote left are like at the baseline of race relations and they just feel like, I got to get ahead of the story and tell you that I'm okay and like put this on you. And it's like, I don't need that. I don't want it. I don't care. Um, your kid has a black friend. What am I supposed to do with that? Like, you know, like what are we supposed to hold hands about it? You know what I mean? Like it, it is weird. But what is even more weird is when Sutton says we had a private conversation when we're good, Erica and Lisa are like, why is that okay with you, Sutton? Why would you make it okay with her? Why didn't, you know, why would you just let that go? Why the fuck do you guys care? They don't even like Sutton. <laughs> like, that was a lot of energy. Why do you need her to not be okay with Crystal? Like, that is really fucking weird. That situation had... Not a thing to do with any of you. And if they choose to be friends, then let them be friends. You don't like either one of them. So what does it matter? Like, it's very clear that it's worse for them to be accused of being racist than for Crystal to feel uncomfortable in situations in which white people are saying weird things to her. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what they're giving to me. And then we get to this 14 friends bullshit and how Crystal lost 14 friends. Obviously this comes, goes back to Teddy because they were friends before this. And this is how this whole shit came. And we can tell that this has to do with Teddy because Kyle really had a battery in her back about this whole situation. Again, a situation that has not anything to do with Kyle or Crystal on the show or anything. And yet she's, very intent on Crystal, uh, catching Crystal in a lie about these friends. Again, intentionally being like obtuse and being like, I don't understand what you're saying. You're not saying the right thing. What Crystal was saying is that she started having issues with girls after she signed the contract to be on the show. She reached out to Rena or Rena reached out to or whatever they had a conversation and Rena was just like hey girl like this is what it's going to be like when you're on TV some people are going to come for you and basically just prepare yourself right 
And so Kyle tries to catch her and is like, oh, but um, I thought you said that all those girls had an issue with you before the show. And this is where Crystal gets tripped up, right? What Crystal's saying is like, and also Kyle says that some of those other ladies in the group had been um, approached to be on the show. But did they decline it? Or was this like a we tested and you didn't make it? You know, we don't know that. Secondly... Okay, let's say three of the 14 had been approached to be on the show. And let's say all three of them got accepted and they got a a contract and they all said no. Okay. What would that have to do with the rest of the 11? Like, you know, like, what does it matter? Basically, what Crystal was saying is that, like, she started having trouble with them once she signed on for the show. But then Kyle's trying to make it like, oh, well, you said it was after you got on the show. Like, after you started filming. Like... Kyle, don't you understand that there is a period between signing a contract and actually get a mic pack on your back and having people show up at your door with cameras? Like, obviously there was a period that she's referring to. And yet Kyle's trying to be like, oh, it actually wasn't the show that you got on. It was actually something else. But like, I don't want to get into it. Okay, well, don't get into it. You're not even part of this group. You had all this energy and you would be like, oh, well, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, well, then don't talk about it. Who cares? It didn't have anything to do with the show. Fuck Kyle. Sick of her. <laughs> then Diana appears via satellite looking like some kind of weird ass Beverly Hills Wizard of Oz. And they first address the fact that she's been sending cease and desists to people, content creators, podcasters, whatever, uh, about them claiming that she made the book Room 23 as like a calling card for call girls right wealthy and celebrity clientele diana says that that's not true and that she's sad about it because it did a lot of good for a lot of people and it's like what what do you mean <laughs> like i've seen some of those pictures and they're straight up just like sexy black and white photos of celebrities i'm not maybe she's talking about a charity that it went the donations went to the whatever proceeds went to i i don't know i don't know i'm not really sure what is gained by seeing Lisa's nipples, Lisa Rinna's areolas, but maybe it did good for somebody. Who's to say? I really got bored because I feel like Diana's such a flop and a a non-compete and there's no possible way she's coming back next season. The only entertainment that I got was by watching Garcelle's reaction to Diana go blah, blah, blahing about how she licks her lips to the point of obliteration. Um, So then... We finally circle back to Jax's bot attacks, right? Andy asked Garcelle if, he, if she thought that Diana might be behind those attacks. And she's like, yeah, honestly, I really did. So Diana goes, well, obviously, you must have a very low opinion of me if you think that I would behind, be behind bullying a 14-year-old. And Garcelle's like, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> so Garcelle reveals that Diana sent her a threatening text. And Diana says that she just asked Garcelle to pencil her name. What she meant was like blur her name out. So what happened is Jax is getting these texts and Garcelle's explaining it, right? Um, when he was getting those text messages and those DMs, he was at his dad's house. So the last one that he got was about like how if you didn't have a white daddy, there would be a, a neck on your knee. Um, and he had had enough and posted on social media that screenshot of that message 
with was like too far now or like you guys have gone too far he didn't blur out diana's name and so apparently diana felt some type of way about that and she decided to threaten garcelle with legal action via text message so Diana's like, well, I just don't understand. Like, he really just could have, like, blurred my name out, penciled it out or whatever. And so Kyle's like, well, I think what Diana's trying to say is that maybe you could have deleted the post and then posted, put it back and then, you know, had blurred her name out. And Garcelle's like, bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? First of all, this is what these people do. Garcelle didn't misunderstand what Diana said. She knew what she said. Again, what she said was some bullshit. And that's what she's reacting to. And not on planet Earth did Kyle need to explain anything or try to play devil's advocate or like mitigate this situation. She should have just kept quiet like everybody else did to leave Garcelle by herself to fend for herself and her child. So Garcelle rightfully pops off and is like, are you guys serious? Like, are you guys really saying that in the midst of me trying to protect my own child, I have to try and save and think about you guys? And Erica's like, well, you don't have to save me. And it's like, oh, first of all, fuck you, Erica. Fuck you. Anyway, um, secondly, then Diana says she starts being very diminishing towards Garcelle and is like, you know, I understand that, sweetheart. Don't call me sweetheart. Don't call me sweetheart. So diminishing for a black woman to show her pain and her rightful rage toward a situation that was unequivocally and objectively wrong and her to be like, sweetheart, I get it. Woo, woo, woo. Calm down, little black woman. I I see you're getting a little hot. Sweetie, I get it. I get it. But, you know, in my country, we get death threats. And when people issue threats, those are actual threats. Okay, we're not in Bosnia. So what the fuck are you talking about? What does this have to do with anything? So Andy asks what it was that Diana texted to Garcelle. And we pop up, it pops up on the screen and it says, believe me when I say, if anything happens to my children, you'll be held legally responsible and no Bravo contract will stop me. I guess by making Cherie take down my birthday post, you wanted to solidify me as a racist and actually ruin my life. So if y'all don't know, all during this like whirlwind of bot attacks, I guess it was around Diana's birthday. Cherie, Garcelle's friend, posted a picture of Garce, uh She and Diana was like, hey, happy birthday. Love you, girl. And it just was like, everyone's like, girl, what are you talking about, Cherie? Like, this is a bad look because it really, really seemed like Diana had... um been the one behind those bots because what they didn't mention on the reunion is that in addition to the wave of anti-Garcelle bots there were a wave of pro Diana bots which you know was like put two and two together and think who the culprit might be so Diana tries to weasel her way out of saying well the text that I sent Garcelle wasn't uh, the same kind of threat because um she mine was legal and I had like physical ones, uh, threats against me. Okay. But did Garcelle do that? No, she didn't. All she did. Well, she didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. And that's the reason why people thought it had to do with you, Diana. Like that had nothing to do with Garcelle. People would have seen all those bots that were like, Hey, Diana's the best. Uh, Go choke bitch. You know, like everybody would have seen that and they made their own, 
uh, conclusions. It had, I don't think that there were that wave of people who saw, I didn't even see that, uh, that, uh, message that Jax had posted that had Diana's name in it until the reunion. So, I mean, I guess I can only speak for myself. I thought that Diana was behind it and it had nothing to do with, uh, that, uh, message that Jax got. Nothing. Then Diana starts to scream about how she's had murder in her family before. And, you know, this is what people do to try to diminish your feelings. Like you had somebody died somewhere in your family. And so therefore Garcelle is responsible for like, what? For what? And, and why is something that happened to you in the past more important than what? Like she really wants Garcelle to be responsible for her well-being as well. And it just like fuck out of here with that like get out of here so garcelle um gets asked by andy if there's anything that she would have said to diana if diana was actually on stage garcelle's like yeah i would ask her why she's so obsessed with me and then it's revealed that diana has been posting messages about garcelle um nasty things multiple times sometimes multiple times a day but definitely every day and she won't let it go and she's like listen i just need you to leave me alone like i'm not mad at you i just don't want to talk to you leave my name out of your mouth you know what (laughs) and then all of a sudden diana's like what i don't understand what is she saying i don't get it all of a sudden you don't understand okay bitch all right let's move on to the most fun at all of all (sighs) the crown princess the return of potomac Mm, let's get into it hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I am elated at the thought of getting to know Ashley in a place that excludes her crusty ass, cuss filled ass grabbing husband. Cheers to the freaking weekend and to the divorce of it all. Okay, actually, just really quick before we get into Potomac, I wanted to talk about a clip that they showed on the never before seen episode that was aired uh, right before the reunion. So they have these Beverly, I'm assuming all the housewives, I don't really know. But before they play the new episode, they'll do like a never before seen episode where they'll add additional scenes to uh, the episode before it. So this was a scene at Kyle's uh, Princess Grace party with all the ladies, the finale party. And they're talking about Kathy and Erica says, oh, by the way, 
Kyle, uh, just to bring us some context to the thing, like Kyle had said that she was happy that Kathy and the Kyle cuts her off and is like, I told you that in private. That wasn't something that we should have been talking about. <laughs> and then Erica shuts her ass up. But then in a confessional, Kyle says, you know, we had that conversation, Erica and I, in private, and, you know, you definitely should not bring that up in public. But yeah, I did say that I was kind of glad that people were seeing what Kathy says about me. Um, you know, I was just very hurt and very angry when I said that. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Real interesting, Kyle. Good luck with that, sis. Good luck with that. Anyway, let's talk about Potomac. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that my girls are back for a seventh season. I'm I just like, there are no words. There are no words for the joy, the, the um, coziness that I feel. It's like being wrapped up in a warm blanket of, you know, that's like spritzed with Ladam. And they really, really did us right on this super long premiere episode starting off with our girls Giselle Robin Karen and Ashley meeting under some picturesque cherry trees cherry blossom trees in DC to have a picnic and catch up with each other they just recently found out that Ashley is going to be divorcing that man Michael amen to that and Karen is like I just want to figure out how we got here how did we get to the point where ashley and michael are breaking up and giselle looks at her and goes karen it's michael darby there shouldn't be a question as to how we got here <laughs> like it's an it's an evidence it's been submitted into court in the reunions in some grainy footage on gossip of the um in the lobby of the w hotel all over girl been around the world um on grinder the whole thing. Do we want to talk about Karen or Robin's new red hair? Everybody likes it. I don't love it. Maybe it's just something that I have to live with and sit with for a while. I don't love it. I think she could do red. I just don't know if that red is going to work for her. And she shouldn't do like a Rihanna, like fire engine red either. But maybe just like a different, just like a slightly different shade. Um, Giselle. <laughs> with these chunky highlights uh matched with the yellow pink orange i'm not really sure what color that is uh dress that she's wearing it's a choice it's a choice and i'll say that so everybody's asking what's going on with karen and ray and karen mentions that she's 17 years younger than ray and that's been a bit of an issue but also that it kind of gives more life and more pep into to uh <laughs> raised step which you know debatable but Giselle tries to pin her for saying oh the other day you were saying you were 14 years younger and now we're 17 and it just feels like we're getting uh, a larger and larger age gap and uh Karen's like mm, girl I've it's always been 17 years I don't have the problem with math and my relationship like Mia does so <laughs> speaking of the topic conversation gets uh, back to Mia and a couple of Instagram posts that she had recently posted. The first of them being that it was like a selfie of her. And the Instagram post caption says, 
this the same time last week, a doc called 7.31 a.m. Yes, I'm so sorry, but your test results came back and I need you to go to Johns Hopkins Cancer Center today for further evaluation. Robin says that she actually reached out to Mia after she posted that just to make sure everything was okay. And then they talk about how earlier that day, like earlier from the day that they're filming the scene that Mia had posted an update, which basically was like, I'm cancer free, but they're going to have to remove two lumps for biopsy, etc. So the girls are basically calling bullshit on this situation. Robin and Ashley and Giselle all agree that it, it was giving attention seeking. They don't really know if uh, Mia, well, let's be real. Mia's not a reliable narrator. <laughs> Never has been. Um, she's not consistent. And so they're like, you know, we just kind of think this is weird. Karen is the only one who's got some sense. <laughs> Listen, do I believe Mia? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> frankly i'm not sure but what i'm never gonna do is uh it's just one of those things where like you can't call people out for not having cancer unless you're like megan king Edmonds. sure you know what i mean like you're calling down to the hospital and checking records and everything i just wouldn't do it just because you just never know you just never know. And you don't want to be the one at the end of the day who said somebody was calling bullshit on cancer when they actually were going through it. You know what I mean? Because it's egg on your face. And it's just like not a fight. It's not a fight that I want to get into. You feel me? So Karen's like, listen, would I call her posting on Instagram weird? No, I'd call it different. But I think we need to hear Mia out. Uh, Karen then says in a confessional, listen. I wouldn't have gone to Instagram. I would have gone to Jesus and had Satan on his knees. But that's just me. I pray. <laughs> I love Karen Huger. I really, really do. Then we have uh, Ashley show up and Giselle shares that she shared with Karen and Robin that Ashley's getting a divorce. And Ashley's like, that's true. Confirmed. But then Karen asks what happened since Ashley just had a baby and Ashley's talking about how, you know, she's not really drinking anymore. The Coronas are gone. They're also not really sexually compatible anymore. Amen for that. It's been about four months since Michael's stuck his didgeridoo down under. And, you know, again, double amen for that. Then she says she and Michael went on a trip to Miami. There was a woman who approached them. She was interested in Ashley. Michael was down to clown. She wasn't. She says in a confessional that, she had made it pretty clear that after she had their first kid, Dean, and Michael cheated on her down to the W Hotel, that she had a conversation that was like, listen, we used to do our little threesome thing. I'm I'm going to have to uh, be monogamous for now. Well, not for now, forever. But Michael took that as a temporary thing. So then Karen asked Ashley, are you guys definitely getting a divorce? And she's like, well, we have to be separated for a year in the state before we can file. And then she starts pivoting into how they're house hunting and Ashley has a range that she can get. And Michael's been showing her houses on the higher range and she's trying to get on the lower range. And all the ladies are like, what? you're buying a house with this man? And she's like, well, we're going to form an LLC and we'll buy the house under the LLC. And all three of them are like, girl, 
you don't buy a house with a man that you're divorcing. Like, what are you talking about? This doesn't make any sense. It's not adding up. And then Karen tells Ashley, you need to be careful because people get real ugly during divorces. And frankly, Michael's ugly enough as it is. You don't want to get any worse. And Michael's probably going to pull some bones out of the closet and you need to hold the uh, throw the whole fucking skeleton back at him and amen roll tape girl roll tape then karen invites everybody to a spring into spring party for a renewal of whatever everything (laughs) giselle like you know what what happened to the invitation girl what happened to the musical numbers what happened to all the fanfare what happened to the box of dead butterfly invitations that we got like what is this you're just telling us under some cherry trees this goes into karen the opera singer (laughs) and she goes you know what there's your damn invitation take that all right so then candace and brown dick brown dick chris go down to the fertility clinic to uh talk about getting their eggs frozen and doing the ivf stuff I would just like the record to reflect that Candace (laughs) tweeted during the episode that she did not appreciate that the camera kept uh, zooming in on her unfilled nails. And I I felt that, girl. I felt that. Y'all, I want to like Candace and Chris, but they make it so hard. They're the couple that have no problem and no awareness of the fact that they're, like, getting into it and having relation like husband you know boyfriend relationship conversations in front of random people so they're talking about the schedule and the doctor is saying to candace like hey this is something that you really need to be on schedule like you can't be missing appointments and stuff like you got to be in it if you're on this journey candace turns to chris and is like well you can't do it you can't do that with the schedule that you currently have. So then they start going tit for tat over whether or not Chris gets two days off a week from work. And it's just like, no, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Chris is apparently is now the general manager at The View at Hotel Washington. And so Candace is saying that he's working until one o'clock in the morning. And it's just not going to work like that when they have kids. So the doctor's watching all of this and suddenly she gets a word in edgewise and is like, okay, um, I'm like really done with you guys bickering. Like if, you know, Candace, did you get your lab work done? Like, that's what I'm really here for. (laughs) You did? Okay, great. I'm going to go put some more stuffed animals into these uh, display cases in my office. Thank you. Bye. In a confessional, the producer asks Candace what her timeline is for having babies. And she really cracks me up. She's like, you know, I want to have a baby every Wednesday. And then it gets to Thursday around 10 o'clock. And I just like think about how I want to go on tour and do 5 million things. And it's like, I, I get that. You you get that. It's like, as women over a certain age, I think if you are entertaining having a child, you're like, yeah, like my life is pretty good. It's like I could do it, but it's like, you know, like I, I got a, I got a standing manicure appointment and like, that's a whole thing. And, you know, it's like, I just got a lot of things I want to do. I get that. I really do. Candace and Brown Dick get back in the car and they start bickering again about how uh, Chris needs to change his schedule. And Candace does this thing where it's like needling, right? 
she'll do this thing where she'll be like, do you think that you can help me with the injections? And then somehow this turns into like, I don't know if you can because of your schedule. I don't know if you could take the what, 15 seconds out of your life to to give me a, a shot every day. Like, what is she? I, I just don't understand. Listen, nobody wants to go through their pregnancy alone when you have a partner, especially. Like, I get that. But like, there might also be things that he can't do. He might not be able to go to every appointment. And that's just the reality for everybody, girl. Like, that's, them's the breaks, kid. So I don't really know what to tell you. But I also feel like Candace is probably saying, you had this cushy job during uh, the quarantine, and you were working from home, and that was really great. Now you're, like, out there in the world. But Chris is like, girl, like, I can't just be (laughs) giving demands to my bosses as to what my schedule is going to be like. If we have catering coming in, we have a big event. I just got to be there. That's just how it works. That's just how it works. But, you know, this is why if like you, you knew this man, he was in the food business. He's a chef. They have really bad schedules. Usually it's not like, you know, sometimes you just got to take it in for a while. I don't know. Whatever. Good luck to you, Candace. I actually, honestly, you guys, I think she might be pregnant because she was saying a couple things on Twitter that was like, she was like walking around it, but then she was using like past tense to refer to their journey, their fertility journey. Like, oh, we were dealing with it. I don't know. She just kept using past tense for this. It made me feel like, you know, a little bun in that oven. And that bun has a has a comb and is doing uh, musical numbers with the comb in its hand. I guarantee that. Just coming out the womb singing happy birthday. <laughs> oh, can't wait. Then Robin has lunch with Sharice. Do we care? Do we care about the return of Sharice Jordan Jackson? I don't. I don't. The most that she gave us was the construction of a champagne room in a house that I'm not sure she even lives in anymore. So, okay, whatever. It doesn't seem like people in the cast really like Sharice either, except for Robin. They've known each other a long time because Sharice's ex-husband was the um, coach of the Washington Wizards when Juan was drafted. For those of you guys who care about football... basketball um can you tell me if Juan was good in his heyday or like was he just mid let me know I hope I don't come off of one as one of those chicks who's like I don't like sports it's for boys yucky (laughs) because that's not like I just like in my body I just don't care (laughs) like football is like I come from a football family like everybody loves footballs Chicago Bears like the whole thing it like I don't like it like it's like I'm allergic to it I do think I could like basketball like if I really had to I think I could get into it so maybe I'll maybe I'll try maybe I'll try if only just to keep up with whoever Kendall's dating you know what I mean but anyway, I think Sharice is dry. I didn't really care about her, like, getting her groove back, having a fuck buddy story. Because, you know, I understand that any woman can get dick. And high high quality dick. If Like, well, 
Is any dick high quality? I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like they could get attractive dick. They can get any man they want usually. Right. Um, still, I just can't imagine Therese having a fuck buddy. Like it just doesn't seem like she's just so like packed in and tight. I just, I can't imagine it, nor do I want to. So let me move on. Um, then Sharice asked Robin if anything at all has been moving in a forward motion with regard to her marrying Juan. As we've seen for the past seven seasons, it's just been a lot and nothing at the same time. So she's got this moissanite ring on her finger. Are we going to put a wedding band behind it? How are we feeling? So they ask Robin how things are moving in <laughs> in a confessional. And she's like, oh, you know, yeah, you know. <laughs> do you do I think we should be married? I guess so. You know, I do believe that we should be married. So what was the question? <laughs> and then Robin asked Sharice uh for opinions about asking Juan for a prenup. So Sharice is like, okay, well, did you sign one when you guys first got married? Robin says yes, and Sharice is like, oh, okay, well, what's the problem then? And so Robin is like, is like, well, I'm the breadwinner now. I just don't want him to take it the wrong way. I also don't believe that people should get half in a divorce just because you're married to somebody. I didn't believe that because I was married to Juan. I just don't believe in that. And Sharice is looking at her and is like, you don't? Like, you know, I got 50%, right? <laughs> She's like, yeah, and I still don't believe it. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, then Robin tells Ashley about the divorce and how she's still planning on buying a house with Michael. Charisse calls bullshit on that. And yeah, she's just like, you know, maybe Ashley just needs more attention from you guys. And Robin's like, what does she need attention from us for? She's got all the attention from her dick TikTok dances. She's good. <laughs> then we see what Mia's up to. And apparently what she's decided to do is presumably spend all of her salary from the show on a rental that's down the street from uh Karen in Potomac $10,000 a month that she's spending on this rental in addition to she tells us $60,000 that she spent on renovating areas of this home that she's never going to own so you're telling me like even one month that's 70k girl couldn't you just put that into a house? Like, listen, we don't need you guys to live in Potomac. It's been very clear. <laughs> like, we don't, we, it, it's fine. We don't, you don't need to live in the zip code. It's okay. You don't need to be stunting for everybody, Mia. It's fine. You could have found yourself a cute little house in Arlington or something that was a little bit more uh, in your price range and we didn't need to do all this Mia but you know what this is why we're on this is why Mia's on the show Mia to me is my new category of housewife a Jan Brady like somebody who just tries too hard and doesn't quite understand that people are really laughing with her and not at her you know what I mean other Jan Brady's in the housewives canon include Shannon Bedore and Drew Sedora you know what I mean just all very Laughing with you, not at you, energy. I said that wrong, but you know what I mean. Opposite. At you and not with you. Ray and Karen show up and Tiff and Fee, the newly lefted breasts on the Countess, not the Countess, the Grand Dame 
of Potomac. Um, uh, Mia does a monkey impression. I'm not sure what we were supposed to do with that. And then Karen and Mia sit down to talk about the media posts, the social media posts, and going to a cancer center. Mia says that she did it because why she posted on social media is that she was talking to her best friend, Jacqueline, who shows up in the episode a couple of times, but her Chiron says best friend in air quotes. And the reason why is because apparently Mia and Jacqueline got into engaged in fisticuffs and this was in a video. I have not seen it because I think it got deleted. I mean, it's surely somebody has it. It, you know, the internet is forever, but apparently that's what happened. And I cannot wait to see what happened. Candace actually tweeted about it. It was like, let's just get to the reunion, y'all. I'll tell you what happened. What happened? I'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> I'm so excited. But anyway, Mia says that Jacqueline encouraged her to post on, uh, you know, social media about her situation and to just be honest. Be honest to what she calls your highlight reel, which is what she refers to social media as. Then we get our first scene with Wendy. And none other than Peter the Snake Thomas. Peter, I mean, like, we, did we, we picked up right where we left Peter. In a white t-shirt with labels, 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 brands all over it. And wearing sunglasses indoors. And that salt salt and pepper beard like the man has not evolved (laughs) at all i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but i mean i guess he's got more consistent money since um i don't know about bar one in atlanta but he's got one in north carolina and i think he's got a couple um, there might be one in chicago apparently the bar one is like a multi-location highly successful bar and lounge good for good for him because uh we weren't going to get any coin from the bailey agency and i know that for sure Anyway, Wendy says that she was at an event with a mutual friend of Peter's. Peter was there as well. She was talking to this mutual friend of theirs about her wanting to open a Nigerian lounge nightclub thing. Peter underheard it, overheard it, and um, slick willied himself into the situation and was like, oh, I want to help you. So listen, Wendy does admit that she knows nothing about nightlife, but I will say I know nothing about nightlife and I feel like the idea of opening your lounge to children in the hours of two and four o'clock for some sort of um, African-American only story time is a bad idea. It seems really stupid. And I was totally with Peter. I've never agreed with him more when he said, nobody wants to be around children when they're trying to get fucked up, Wendy. (laughs) I'm with you. So he gives her his business model, which like, this was like, Bravo meets Shark Tank. So he tells her, you can get in on 20%, which seems like not something you tell somebody about their own idea. Like, shouldn't she have partial majority ownership and you're coming in at 20% as a financer? I don't know. But he's like, you'll go in at 20%. We're looking at about 1.5 all told to get this up and running. You're not going to see your return for about two years. And if, you know, all goes well to plan, we're looking at $8 million a a year. And, 
you know, net is 25% of that. So that's what 2 million. And then you'll be making 20% of that 2 million, which is what 400 K. So she's looking at the possibility of making a hundred thousand dollars two years from now, which would be a good investment. If we can guarantee that $8 million, uh, first year, two year return, which we can't do that, baby. We can't do that. So I would say, um, Let's stick with what Eddie's saying, which is, uh, baby girl, you've already got so many things on your plate. You've got this book coming out. You're doing your speaking engagements. You're on CNBC. You're uh, doing orders for your candle line. Like, let's just stick stick to that. Let's not put 300K into something. I wouldn't put 300 cents into something that Peter did. And that's just my truth. Then we see what's up with Ashley by herself. She brings the boys over to Uncle Lump's house, who we love. Uh, We love Uncle Lump. This is an Uncle Lump stan account. They're having dinner, and he, Uncle Lump just wants to know what the deal is with Ashley and her divorce. Are you going to be financially secure? What's going on? So Ashley explains what the situation is. She says that they signed a prenup, she and Michael, And that was to last them for the first five years of their relationship. But now they're at eight years. So that prenup is invalid. So Ashley says in that confessional that theoretically at this point, she would be entitled to half of Michael's assets. When they ask what Michael's worth, she's like, uh, you know, I don't really want to get into it, but I think he does well. And then they ask her how much money she would need to, you know, maintain her lifestyle. And she's like, uh, I can't even begin to think about that because I don't really pay for anything. It's like, I don't know if I should feel jealous or scared for you. I'm thinking I might scared, scared at this point, jealous. If you were in a healthy relationship, terrified for you, but not, but also if you don't really pay for anything, then we're looking at seven years worth of housewives checks that are just sitting in your bank girl. So let's, Oh, let's open up that account. Let's open up that. I would like to know, like, did Michael really tell her, like, you don't have to worry about anything? Like, just keep those checks and don't worry about it? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Maybe I understand why she stayed. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uncle Lump asks Ashley if she's gotten a lawyer. And she's like, no, we're, you know, we're trying to draft something up. And he's like, who's writing it? Michael. And Uncle Lump at that point had had enough. (laughs) 
she has had enough. She's telling him about the LLC that they're going to create to get the house. And Lump's like, girl, what kind of life are you living? Are you getting a divorce or are you creating another business? Questions that need answers, Ashley. Ashley's saying, I don't have the answers well right now because we're just getting started. But Uncle Lump's like, yeah, that's why you need to get a lawyer. Hire a lawyer, Ashley. Hire a lawyer. You don't want to be in a position where Michael's the one pulling the strings. Amen. And then we get to Giselle's house. She reveals the new renovations. Um, I, the house is just so disjointed. Like she calls that. I, what the house is ugly. I mean, let's just say it. it's like two houses, two different vibes smacked together there's like the house that looks like your first house that you buy or that you move into when you're like 20 and in college and then the rest of this house which is like a new build and i'm not understanding the the architecture of that house either the wrought iron entryway door the chris jenner black and white checked foyer floors like what are we doing here what are we doing? And why does she not put a new facade on the West Wing so it matched with the other new build part of the house? Like, it literally looks like, <laughs> like a lame-ass house stapled onto an, the... Uh, <laughs> of course. I need somebody... <sighs> Angela and Adora can't do all the heavy lifting with Giselle. You know, like, I'm gonna need somebody who... we're gonna, Angela and Adora need reinforcements... Quickly, quickly. They they can only do so much. You know, they're still under the house rules. Speaking of Angel and Adore, they come in to help Giselle with her fashions. Thank God. Thank God. They're so grown and they look so cute. They had their little ponytails. They were giving Ariana. They were giving Arianki. Okay. And they just looked adorable. They're helping her pick out uh, pictures for, or excuse me, outfits for her uh, Karen's spring, into spring party and she's pulling out one outfit it's just like fuchsia just fuchsia sequins and the look on angel and adora's faces were like how could you do this to us <laughs> one of them was like i thought we went through your wardrobe i thought we already did this why are you why are you bringing this to us ma'am so we scrap that we get to a red jumpsuit they're like man girl mom no no finally we settle on something that's decent but um robin ends up facetiming and they she's showing the the invitations that uh karen had sent for the party that had little mini tacos and little mini bottles of tequila which we see uh baby michael dean try to open at one point (laughs) try to open that bottle acting just like his daddy fortunately ashley caught it um and yeah basically you know, it seems like Giselle's storyline is going to be her dealing with the fact that she's about to be an empty nester. The girls are getting older. And I really liked seeing that just moment of her vulnerability of like, just talking in the confessional about how like, I've been raising kids for 17 years. It's they're about to go off to college. And then she's like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And you can see the tears welling up in her eyes. And I just like Giselle really never lets that wall down. And 
it's nice to see, like, I love Giselle's relationship with her daughters. I don't really even give a shit about kids, you know? Like, there's just something very heartwarming about it. I like the way they communicate with each other. I like the way they, like, check her lovingly and she takes it. And I just like that they seem like they have a really nice relationship with each other. Like, I listen to their... uh podcast robin and giselle's reasonably shady and she's always talking about how she took them on trips and we went to concerts and like she's you know like they they seem like they like hanging out with their mom and i just i just love that and that's my truth anyway let's move on uh so finally we're at karen's spring fling kickoff celebration of life taco party okay (laughs) the official name even though karen's invitation said no fits no fights giselle is ready Okay, she's ready to get into it. And she wants to talk about Ashley. She wants to talk about the fact that she thinks that Ashley doesn't really want to get a divorce. And she's telling Karen about this. And Karen's like, listen, Ashley's a smart girl. She wants a house. And there's no room for those kids in Concrete City, a.k.a. the apartment that they live in. (laughs) So basically what she's saying, Karen, is that I think Ash is actually being like crazy like a fox here, trying to get a house out of the situation and then being like deuces. Ashley actually happens to walk into the party at this point and Karen goes, we're talking about you. Were your ears burning? (laughs) So they get right into it and they're like, okay, what's going on? Because Ashley reveals that they just found a house in Arlington. I guess they had put an offer on the house yada 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 so then karen yells at ashley this ain't no damn divorce (laughs) giselle tells ashley look i thought you were getting a divorce and then ashley starts to backtrack about whether or not she's getting separated or not and all the you know semantics of it all shout out to the editors for showing us the conversation of them roll it back at the cherry blossom picnic where they're asking are you getting a divorce and she's like yes confirmed confirmed so they're basically just like i don't understand how you're getting a divorce but also buying a house would i buy a house with jamal bryant no and then giselle reveals accidentally because ashley made a face like "Ooh, i didn't know that that robin also would not be uh buying a house with a man she was divorced to because she's the only name on the house that she bought with juan (laughs) well 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 um so then ashley tells giselle listen you guys think that i'm being phony about this i'm actually probably more transparent with you giselle than anybody else about this whole situation and i'm gonna be honest with you now that things are getting more real starting to feel a little bit like am i doing the right thing and then she says Ashley has the nerve to tell these women on record in front of the world that earlier that morning she had a coochie craving for Michael. (laughs) Karen pats Ashley on the lap and says, girl, get a dildo. (laughs) So then Karen's like, listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you for trying to get what you need and your children need, but listen, you got to get going. I 
you know, I think you might just move into a house that you can afford. Like you can afford to move into a house. I think you should do it without Michael. Do it on your own. So <laughs> then we get uh, Candace shows up. So it's like Ashley goes off to talk to some people elsewhere in the party. Candace shows up. So it's Candace, Karen, and Giselle. They're having their own conversation. So Giselle tells Candace about Ashley just announcing that she was buying a house. So at, uh, uh, Candace was actually the last person to find out about Ashley getting a divorce from Michael because we see a flashback from three days earlier where Robin is telling her about it. So Candace is shocked and she's like, girl, if Ashley's getting a divorce, I will throw the party for her. Ashley's a better person than Michael is, for sure. In a confessional, Candace says, I am elated at the thought of getting to know Ashley in a place that excludes her crusty ass, pus-filled, ass-grabbing husband. <laughs> uh, and to go back to Reasonably Shady, this week they actually read some listener letters. <laughs> I don't know why Giselle did this, but she decides to read a letter in which I guess this was an Australian listener and was like, listen, um, I just want to speak for all of Australia when I say that Michael is certainly not our finest export. Uh, I don't know why he looks like that. The men of Australia are generally a lot better looking. I think she called him crusty at one point. And then she just stopped reading it because she was like, oh, I probably shouldn't. But Robin, like, could not control herself. She was laughing. <laughs> they just did ass like, oh, it was so funny. You have to check. It's very funny. Wendy shows up, and when she tries to say hi to Giselle, Giselle blanks the fuck out of her. It's like, keeps yelling, no touching, no touching. Uh-huh, I'm fine, I'm great, I'm doing great. Don't touch me. Bye. <laughs> A lot of energy. Um, I had totally forgotten that Wendy had... Basically, was like, why are you trying to get back with your ain't shit baby daddy? I, I don't know. Giselle's like, you know, Wendy spent a, a year terrorizing me and my family, and like now she wants to act play nice with me and I'm not going to do it. Like, okay. Okay. Well, are we going to act like that man shouldn't actually be called pastor holy whore? Like he should. Monique was right about that. Mia shows up. Giselle stops her and just was like, I want to talk to you. Look at you girl. Is this what cancer? No cancer looks like. And Mia's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so Giselle's like, listen, I saw your Instagram caption. I noticed that at one point you changed the wording in in the Instagram post and it just was giving like, I need attention. I really need attention. And then Giselle tries to throw Karen under the bus by looping her in and saying, well, Karen agreed with me. She thought it was weird too. And Mia's like, I don't really need attention. I was using my platform for a purpose. And when Giselle asks what the purpose was, Mia's like, I was hurting because I had gotten a phone call that I had gotten cancer. And then like, I got that call from a doctor who says, it looks like you have lymphoma, lymphoma. I was crying. I was talking to the doctors, trying to figure things out. I'm crying to Gordon. And for you to just say that I was looking for attention, Giselle, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, I'm so, so happy that my girls are back. And I hope you guys enjoyed this recap. Um, yeah, let's hope. Prayers up that 
Beverly Hills is not a four-part reunion. Let's just cut it down. Well, frankly, we can wrap this up next week. Let's just get Kathy and her Barbie core outfit out here and let's really get it going. What else are we going to talk about? With that, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Love you.